Welcome to the Public Sector Marketing Show with your host, Joanne Sweeney. Hello and welcome to the Public Sector Marketing Show, a podcast for government and public sector marketing professionals who want to level up their digital marketing and social media knowledge, skills and strategic thinking. Thank you for tuning into this show, which is all about trust and transparency being the number one currency in the digital age. Today, I read a tweet from our National Health Service CEO, Paul Reed. It read, this day last year, I joined the HSE as CEO. I expected it would be tough, but I never planned on a pandemic. I said then that I wanted to strengthen the public trust in the health service executive. We have lots to do, but I hope that we've made some progress. So that's my inspiration for today's episode. Coming up in the show, why you must put trust at the center of your digital communication strategy. I interview Sharon Campbell, Deputy Head of Communications at Trinity College Dublin. She tells me how they put reputation and public trust at the center of their social media strategy, especially during COVID-19. In social media news, Instagram says it will show stories and posts from health bodies more prominently in user feeds. LinkedIn launches polls and virtual event features, and Facebook introduces personalized avatars. And I share my top tool to engage in social listening to take the temperature of the public around your public sector or government agency. Never miss an episode. Subscribe now on your favorite podcast platform or to the Public Sector Marketing Show YouTube channel. In today's column, why trust and transparency are the number one currency in the digital age for government and public sector. The Public Sector Marketing Show. Right now, trust and transparency is the number one currency in the digital age. For those of you working in government and public sector and managing communications, there's absolutely no doubt that your job has never been more important. We're battling fake news, citizen voice online, trying to correct the record when mistruths are shared publicly and across multiple platforms. Do you really have the right to be forgotten in the digital age? Everybody's voice matters. The media are actually taking the temperature of what the public have to say. You need to be schooled in how to leverage digital communications to manage trust and transparency. The most recent Edelman barometer, which tracks trust in public institutions, shows that trust in government is almost at an all-time low. By and large, and from my experience, what I am seeing is that public sector and government agencies are on the back foot when it comes to sharing information publicly. They often rely on third party agencies to deal with their digital marketing and their social media. I have a strong opinion that digital communications needs to be taken in house, especially where you're managing the corporate voice. When it comes to managing and sharing the corporate voice, senior leadership have to step up. It's not good enough that we hide behind corporate logos or brands anymore. Decision makers, 
managers, directors, CEOs, board members, you have to step up and go front of screen. People want to know who's making the decisions. You have the knowledge, you have the media expertise. If your national broadcaster walked in and asked you to do a two minute segment for an evening news bulletin, you would probably agree to it. You need to give the same sense of urgency and importance to your own corporate communications channels. Your YouTube channel is your TV station. Your podcast is your radio station. Your blog is your newspaper and your social networks are the one-to-many communications channels so that you can have real-time and engaging and meaningful conversations with the public. The tide has shifted and in fact it's shifting every single day as the evolution of technology and digital continues at pace. Google have told us that they believe that we are only 1% of the way into how technology is going to change our lives, our businesses and our organisations. If I'm trying to have a conversation with you right now about the importance of social media, I almost feel like we're a decade too late. Social media and the smartphone have been around now for almost 11 years. We cannot have those conversations anymore. The conversations that we need to be having around trust and transparency in government and public sector are real and they are urgent. You need to transform your traditional comms department into an agile digital war room. You need to be prepared, you need to be ready, you need to be responsive, reactive, but more importantly, proactive when it comes to having one-to-many conversations with the public. The media are still a valuable conduit to speak to the public. However, the public expect you to stand up and to be visible and to be available to them when they have a question. Think about the last PR crisis that you had. Did it spill over to social media? Were you able to manage it? Did you feel in the line of fire from citizens? It's so important that you are prepared. Prepared to speak up, to go front of screen, and to have that confidence and that sense of conviction in what you're doing. I know it's tough. I train public sector marketing pros every single week, and I have done for the past decade. But you know what? Those of you that step up be brave, bold, and take on the reins of digital transformation. It's going to stand to you, and the public will recognize that. Trust and transparency is the number one currency right now in the digital age when it comes to government and public sector communications. Are you leveraging your website? Are you leveraging your social networks? Are you engaging in meaningful communications? Are you going front of screen? Are you building up advocates and influencers online who share your opinions and your views? Do you know what your social share of voice is when it comes to controversial or topical issues? Or are you on the back foot? The Public Sector Marketing Show. Would you like to build a digital roadmap to ensure trust and transparency are at the center of your communications? Why not take my accredited certificate in COVID-19 digital communications. You can read the testimonials from those who have already taken the course. You can also watch a free webinar 
as a taster. Find out more at publicsectormarketingpros.com forward slash COVID-19 cert. Interview. Hello and welcome to the Public Sector Marketing Show. In this episode, I'm joined by Sharon Campbell, who is Deputy Head of Communications with Trinity College Dublin. Sharon, you're very welcome to the show and thank you for joining me from your home. Thank you very much, Joanne. Good to be here. So it's it's been a quite tumultuous number of weeks, obviously. Um, now, my impression from watching from the outside is that, you know, Trinity College Dublin were very quick to move and adapt to COVID-19. Um, how has it been for you? Um, so I suppose, uh, as it has been for everybody, very reactionary. Um, and I think what we did was, we, our main aim was to be uh, get information out there as quickly as possible to our key stakeholders, our students and our staff, um, and the to disseminate those in, in, to the relevant audiences and the right um, channels and in the right manner I suppose you have to use different um, language and disseminate the bigger messages to different audiences um, and that's very that's important to look at that and assess that we have um, so, sorry one of the things that we spoke about um, earlier was how important trust and transparency is for you and that's really where you hang your hat in terms of the communications and the digital comms right Yes. So, uh, as I said, there the key thing was to be as transparent as possible and get the information out there as quickly as possible. Um, we uh, didn't want any kind of conversation about um, or assumptions that people might make or speculation. That's very dangerous in a crisis situation. Um, and we try and gather all the community, especially with social media, which is, I suppose, one of the key areas that I work on um, and lead across the university, um, is that the same, the one message is coming out from the university and there's not other channels associated with the university giving mixed messaging. So we have a very good central uh, communications group um, with and, and communicate well with our other areas across the university. Now, we know from, from listening to you and hearing about your social media case study at Trinity that you have a large volume of social media assets. How do you coordinate kind of singular and cohesive communications across multiple channels or did you dedicate the crisis comms through central corporate accounts? So the, um, I suppose the, the plan is, uh, is and, and, and will be even going forward now, we're moving into a different stage, I suppose, if you could call it a little bit more settled, but from the outset, that yes, the main um, information would come through the central channels, that there would be no, um, and then the other channels would share it out from there. So, uh, and that means that there's clarity and consistency. Um, and that there's no nobody else taking it upon themselves to share out uh, and, and take up an idea about something. And this is especially important around HR information, um, around students and classes and online things moving online, how exams and assessments will be progressed with, um, and uh, other things like how our students are being looked after through counselling and medical information and, and testing. So that's all very important. So we, we're very lucky to have a very good, uh, what we call social media group. 
So, um, and we meet usually once a week anyway in normal um, business. <laughs> and now what we're doing is meeting once a week um, on, on Teams as well, on, on Microsoft Teams. And we find that very helpful to find out what's going on in the other areas, what might be their concerns that uh, need to be possibly raised um, uh, and, and addressed um, with senior management um, and, and dealt with or what they might need help with or for them, us to ask them to disseminate information. So one of the things you mentioned is that you have a, a robust team uh, managing social media. Do you think that that is standing to you now that you are active and that you are very proficient and competent on social? Because I'd imagine social is your friend right now. In the main, mostly your friend and not your foe. Well, you are right. It's funny, um, or it's interesting to see how much uh, communications has become respected, uh, or much more has become much more respected uh, in this scenario, in this situation, and how much people are actually looking at how digital comms and social media is impacting and how that is a huge channel uh, or multiple channels there. Um, I suppose it was always seen as, as important, but maybe not the key one that is, is being used. Um, I think what we have is, yes, we have a team within the central office of our public affairs and communications team, but um, our Trinity social media is, is broad, much broader um, and it's to do with those people that are doing it on the ground in each local school and department and area. Um, we would have you know, disability, uh, as I mentioned, the counselling service, um, and, and we bring those into that group so that um, we can support them in their needs and, and assist them, but also so that we as central function understand what's going on across the campus. So yeah, no, I think it's, it's very important that that has really stood to us that we've had that running for a number of years. Um, and it's one of the things when I talk about how we run um, comms and social in Trinity is that we have that central hub, but that we feed out to and they feed into it. So definitely a two-way communication system. Um, uh, uh, for social media in particular. And how does social and digital then complement the traditional PR activities that obviously are continuing as well? Um, so I suppose it, it enhances it. It, it. You can, we're reaching the same amount of people um, uh, as we would have before with regard to get our, we, we aren't using any more channels as such on social um, and I think it's being more actually starting out that it's slightly reversed we are now going out on social almost first and then later it's or maybe at the same time media um, and um, and then I suppose trickles down from there. Uh, I think the social is important. People are concerned about emails not being read because the so, and I think that's not just in this time, in, in this situation, but um, that we uh, share out information across all our channels and that we hope then it will trickle down. And how have students and other stakeholders responded to you on social media? Are they, are they thankful for, for the live and the real time updates? Um, I think I think it's a very I think it's a very stressful time for for everybody. I think in particular it's a very stressful time for students who are coming up to possibly final exams um, and things like that. Um, and also around you know the situation about how they're going to where are they going to follow on into university next year. Um, and I think that puts stresses on everybody. 
we try, that was the aim was to get the information out there as soon as possible. I think there's mixed reactions across everything. Um, more and more, the supports and the information now is about what the supports are there for students, psychologically, um, for you know, studying at home, working from home. Um, and they are, they are definitely really engaged with that kind of content. Um, yes, and, and also we treat social media as a two-way channel, very much so. It's, it's not um, that we just post stuff and broadcast. We're very, um, the way we work is that we look at what the discussion is out there and we take that in and feed it up the line. So if there, it's a really good way of listening to what the concerns are and what the issues are. We bring that in and we push that up the line, as I said, to say uh, the accommodation people, our research people, um, to say, well, this is something that maybe you need to deal with or that we need to get answers for or around what the exams are, what's coming up. And um, I think it's really important to understand. And if you're not using social media like that and reacting to, I suppose, people people's concerns, you're not really using it properly. It's not just a broadcast channel. What has worked so far well? Have you noticed any trends or any particular um, peaks in engagement or interaction based on something that you've done? Um, I suppose that's been different actually on a week to week basis. Initially, the uh, engagement, and of course it would be because the main content would be around the, um, I suppose the updates around um, the closures, around access to the campus, around um, who was required in work and who was able to work at home, uh, students' access to libraries, and that was very, and, and questions and queries and getting the information out there to as many people as possible. Um, we were very careful about not putting out too much light content um, and, or light content at all, because we felt it might be the trite in the situation. Um, and we're looking at that now that people are interested in in, in the weeks that have, have come on, a bit more positive uh, content, a bit more looking towards the future, um, uh, nice, good stories, stories about the research that is developing. We have a lot of content on that. But we're trying to now find a balance between um, updates and information and key information for different audiences, but also then bringing a bit of light into people's lives, positivity and, and, and happy stuff, I suppose, with nice imagery. Um, and that's very important, I think, to, to bring that into people's lives when you can. And so obviously your working life has changed because you're not in the university, you're at home, but have your tasks changed? you're clearly perhaps busier um, what what adaptations in your working life have happened for you um so just the fact that the situation as in where i am where i'm sitting on a daily basis is is a different location um i actually went when we closed down um and the further restrictions were due to come i actually went in and cleared out my office of and i brought home every piece of equipment that i could <laughs> because i find it easier to work um off a full pc um, and a couple of my colleagues did that then um since we feel like we're going to be here for the long haul so um we i have a good setup um with uh, lots of screens so for monitoring and, and working like that it's it's very important but the tasks in itself, I suppose, haven't maybe a little bit more reactionary 
um, but we would be like that in certain situations if, if an issue arose anyway in the college and we would be um, prepared for that. And as comms people, and I think anybody working in comms and in this situation would be a little bit more used to that reactive situation than other areas possibly. Um, lots of out of hours work, uh, I think for the first two weeks possibly we worked maybe straight all the way through seven days a week um we did then try to institute some uh breaks because it's very important for your mental health and for the team so we tried to take some um time on and time off and switch between um <clears throat> and tasks and things like that but no it really hasn't changed my ta my daily tasks at all, just that the situation where I do my work has changed. So how are you coping then Then personally working from home? I know you've got children um, and a husband there and you know, how, how are you managing that? The whole household has to adapt, right? Yeah, I think you have to learn to um, work around each other. I've been, we've been lucky because my daughters had school every day um, and name dropping Zoom again, uh, which we're working on right now. Um, and the, the, the so she has been occupied i think now with the school holidays it'll be um more interesting um and i think it's it's hot i'm busy i'm I, so in one sense i'm lucky but there are a lot of people out there who are um i suppose maybe not uh, uh, the worry might be on them a bit more because they're not as occupied with, with things to do um i don't i think People might think that we're not, we don't have a lot going on, but I actually think there's more going on now. I feel sometimes busier now than I ever was before. Um, and also to, that you feel that you're, you, you have to be accessible all the time. And I think that's an issue that uh, possibly will come out out of all of this being addressed, that if you are working from home and you're on the phone, I would generally tend to be, feel like I have to be accessible all the time anyway. But I think that's something that might be looked at going forward that people if you're going to be working from home more often how to structure that um, and and balance the family side and how to have that break from home to work and maybe where you sit or or that and i know there's lots we have lots of information from our um academics and our researchers uh, going out to students and staff about how to structure that and help put your your structure on your day but also your work environment and how to get away from that and it's all really well and good to talk about it but sometimes it's quite hard to implement in reality <laughs> And finally, I know that you you speak on stages at events and you're always looking at the higher ed sector when it comes to digital comms. Um, have you any messages for your colleagues right across the world? Because the pandemic is something that has united us um, across the world. So what would you say to your counterparts who are working in universities and institutes right across the world in terms of crisis comms? Um. Well, I suppose one thing that has actually, especially in the early weeks when it was very um, intense um, and it was, you know, and, and I have to say in my situation, and I know there's lots of other areas out there, I, I can't even begin to imagine what healthcare workers on the front line or the emergency services um, and other, there's lots of other areas that um, I'm sure we're in a much worse situation and other people in, in, in other positions. I, I can only speak for myself um, and I don't attempt to compare that to that, but I suppose I used to, I think one thing is that this too will pass. Um, and I think that helped me an awful lot in the early days. Um, and I, as it goes on, I think I have to keep saying it as well, <laughs> but, um, 
that it is it's it's a stage um and that you have to look at what the what the benefits are if they're you know what as much as there are negatives to it well what have what is the positives that it has brought into your life maybe getting to see your family more often whether that's mostly positive or sometimes not um but um and also how uh i suppose we're very lucky with the technology that we have um and being able to for both personal and both uh work related um, features being able to communicate with work but i think it has brought an awful lot to personal lives as well you know communicating with friends with family being able to talk to people all over the world i think people took that for granted and they didn't really see the benefit of it um, uh, well i think they knew the benefit of it but maybe not as much as we do now and understand how lucky we are um, with what we have if it, this had been in a different time we would be living very different lives so it's i think that's something to take away we're lucky with technology and you know what sharon we will learn so much from this um, as it continues to evolve and you have another crisis under your hat in terms of your career in communications but thank you so much for joining me on the public sector marketing show no problem. Thank you for having me, Joanne. Social media news. Instagram says it will show stories and posts from health bodies more prominently in user feeds. Right now, the social networks are pulling out all the stops to help us find and engage with truthful and trustworthy content relating to COVID-19. They understand that they have a significant role to play. And so I was glad to read that Instagram is going to push more content from health bodies to us in our feeds. In a tweet from the official Instagram comms account, they said, we'll bring stories related to COVID-19 from credible health organizations you follow closer to the top of your tray. This is part of our ongoing work to connect people with accurate information, and we'll be rolling out a similar solution for feed. But a note here, you will only see this content if you are following health bodies so be sure to start. We all have a responsibility to follow and share trusted sources during this global pandemic. This new feature adds to Instagram's various COVID-19 relief and support efforts, including new fundraising tools, local business support options, and its stay home and thank you story stickers to help users share their support for key health messages. Over at LinkedIn, meanwhile, they have launched a new poll feature, inviting users to tap into the power of their network. Describing them as a lightweight poll that you can launch in 30 seconds, it's a welcome new feature already available on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. So how does it work? Well, start a new post and click on the create a poll option. Type your question, enter up to four answer options, and select the poll's duration between 24 hours and up to two weeks. Write up a post to go along with your poll. You can include hashtags to help get your poll more attention. Push the poll live to either to your connections or to specific groups you're in or to anyone across the LinkedIn network. And if you go to the blog post associated with this podcast at publicsectormarketingpros.com, you will actually see what they look like because I've included a screenshot. Also worth mentioning in this show is LinkedIn virtual events. Using LinkedIn Live, companies can now host virtual events by streaming live. 
The virtual events product is a merger of two existing tools, LinkedIn Live and LinkedIn Events. When I get it, I'll be sure to test it and give you my feedback. Facebook introduces personalized avatars. Facebook has rolled out avatars, which are personalized cartoon style bitmojis. Avatars can be used in a range of stickers and tools that can be applied across both Facebook and Messenger. Facebook's Fiji Simo says, there are so many different ways you can use your avatar, including in comments, stories, Messenger, and soon text posts with backgrounds will be included too. So again, look at the blog post associated with this podcast to see my new Facebook and Instagram avatar. Social media tool of the week. Today's top tool is Talkwalker Alerts, which I'm getting my students and clients to sign up to. You can create alerts for your organization for specific topics or for senior leaders. Talkwalker will scan Google and Twitter for mentions and send you a daily update with links to those mentions. I think you should use these insights then to inform you of new PR or social media content that you need to create to ensure you're answering misinformation or contributing to trending conversations. Launch your alerts today for free by setting up to talkwalker.com forward slash alerts. The Public Sector Marketing Show. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Public Sector Marketing Show. I'll see you on the next episode. If you would like to be a guest on the show or would like to recommend a colleague, then please drop me an email to info at publicsectormarketingpros.com. And don't forget, be sure to share this podcast with a government pro that you know. Yours in digital, Joanne. Thank you for listening to the Public Sector Marketing Show. 